are listening to Meet and Write, a podcast that dives into liturgical worship and how communion really begins after church. Welcome to another episode of Meet and Write. We're excited to have once again with us Mina Masiha. We really appreciate your time and for being with us again on another episode. Happy to be here. Armina, so let's kind of, uh, as a recap of what we talked about last time, we talked about how sometimes as we come to liturgy or as we dive deeper into our uh, walk toward God, that we question things or we have hesitations about certain things. Um, and like we understood as, as the golden rule that, that we're encouraged to do that. We're encouraged to ask questions about certain things. And the perfect example of that is St. Thomas. Thomas had hesitations that Jesus, the risen Lord, was right in front of him. And he wasn't just shunned or, or turned down when he asked those questions, but Jesus actually encouraged him, and Jesus met him right where he was and encouraged his questions and met Thomas and answered his questions. So as we walk in the same path toward our Creator, toward our Heavenly Father, that we're encouraged to ask questions and grow deeper into him. We talked about in in um, that in the Orthodox Church, that there's some stuff that are, are mystical, that are a mystery, and some things that are not. And the baseline of our mentality as we come closer to God is that I have to understand that I'm finite, that I'm limited, but my Heavenly Father, my Creator, is unlimited. He's immeasurable. And that has to be like the baseline of our mentality as we come closer to Him. So, Mina, my first question to you, as we come closer to God, how do we know the things that are mystical and that are a mystery and that I'll, I need to understand that I'll never fully comprehend? And what are the things that I'm able to understand through reasoning like I do like anything in science, that I'm able to use my own logic to come to a conclusion or look at evidence to understand something? You know, how do I differentiate between the two? Because I can't just say everything is a mystery and just leave it at that as like a cop-out. Yeah, I mean, it, it would definitely be easier for uh, me as a Sunday school teacher to just make everything a mystery, right? Um, yeah. You know, a kid asks, you know, a really simple question and say, yeah, I'm sorry, I don't know, that's a mystery. Um, but there, there's a limit to that, right? There's, there's certain things that we will never fully understand no matter how much we try. The Eucharist being one, the Trinity being another. Uh, the virgin birth being another, you know, I, I can't give you a comprehensive list of what those things are. And, you know, the, the things that I've discovered to be kind of circular logic, uh, kind of um, sand traps th- that I've learned to avoid uh, have come through experience. And, yeah. you know, what they say about experience is that, you know, good judgment comes through experience, right? And yeah. experience comes through bad judgment. So, you know, I've tried to figure out the Trinity and this and that. And, you know, what you what you learn is that you 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 spend time spinning your wheels trying to understand things that just aren't there to be understood. And again, if you if you take one of these mysteries and you and you really feel like you've got a finger on it and you've got it nailed and now you get it better than other people have understood it before, more likely than not, it's going to be a heresy that was already prevalent in the first, second, third century that was already discussed at a council and anathemized. So with with regard to these mysteries, feel free to ask, 
but we're just not going to get anywhere. Now, what those things are, again, there's a little bit of trial and error, and the experience that comes from bad judgment could be your own. And for many of us, the experience that comes from bad judgment is our own bad judgment. But the wisdom sometimes comes from using somebody else's experience, using somebody else's bad judgment. So if I tell you, like, listen, the the Trinity is a mystery. Try to understand that as best as you can, but don't expect to fully understand it. You can take my word for it, or you can struggle with it the same way that I did. Um, either way, you're going to get to the same end, which is either a mystical understanding or a heretical understanding. There's no in-between. Yeah. Okay, then what are the things uh, that might not be a mystery that I'm able to understand uh, through reasoning or through science uh, that will ultimately bring me closer to God? I think that's a really interesting place that hopefully we'll be able to explore more and more. Uh, you know, the the mystery of time and uh, how Einstein's view on time and St. Augustine's view on time were actually very compatible and very consistent with each other. There's uh, other more controversial topics that we can get into uh, at a later point in time where people try to put science against religion. And they say, well, science says this and religion says that. And you know, we are faced with this, what, what the literature sometimes calls a fool's choice. A fool's choice is something where you, you set up a dichotomy or two different ideas that really are not incompatible. They, they could be in harmony with each other if you understood each of them well enough. But the fool's yeah. choice is to say, well, you can't possibly believe in these two things at the same time. So therefore, you have to pick one of them, and one of them must be wrong. And before getting to into each of these specific topics, which we'll hopefully be able to do um, in, in future podcasts, l- let's just ask how we ask questions, right? So before we talk about time and how we treat time scientifically or um, any one of these controversial topics, how we deal with them scientifically and how we deal deal with them theologically. Let's just ask about how we ask questions theologically and how we ask questions scientifically. And our last time together, we talked about the apophaticism of theology, right? We, you know, you mentioned that uh, God is infinite. We're finite. We're not going to understand him completely. So we start questioning with a, a, a premise of I'm never going to fully understand God, and I'm going to try to understand him as best as I can and to know the person of Christ and to understand the Trinity as best as I can, but I know there's going to be a limit in my human understanding. Now, the interesting thing is science is also apophatic. And you remind us again what the word apophatic means. So apophaticism is uh, understanding that there's a limit in what we will ever know about God because he is infinite and we are finite. So we talk about him in negatives, right? He's immeasurable. He's unchangeable. He's infinite. We know what it means to be finite. We know what it means to change. We, need to, we, know, we know what it means to measure something. But when we say we don't know what God is completely, but we know something about him, when we say he's these things, those things are true, but we don't really understand what those things mean. Right? We, we know what changes. We don't know what unchangeable is. So it's true that God is unchangeable, but what does that really mean? 
that's like me using a, a big word that I don't understand and trying to use it in context in a sentence and not really, you know, not really getting anywhere. So when we, we try to understand who God is and we use a word that we kind of don't really truly know the meaning of, it, 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 that that is apophatic. You're saying science itself is apophatic as well? Right. And people that don't understand science very well think one of two things about science, which is what happens when someone doesn't understand something very well is they, they, they tend to take an extremist view, right? So one extreme is that science can explain everything and science is infallible. And if we just knew enough about science, then we wouldn't re- really need God and we wouldn't really need religion, right? So that's really overestimating what science is. The other extreme is that, oh, science science is just theory. You know, they use the word, the theory of this or the theory of that. Well, you know, things that have been around for long enough to have been studied over and over and over again. We use the word theory, but it's no longer a theory. It's kind of as close as we're going to get to a scientific fact. So now what's what's the middle? Because oftentimes the middle is where the truth is, right? It's not this extreme of uh, very, 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 very good or this extreme of very, 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 very bad. It's somewhere in the middle. So science explains to questions that are related to the how. So when someone says, uh, how do you make a uh, cell? Well, we don't know how I could make a cell, but how a cell is made is uh, with uh, these steps that start with DNA being the blueprint for the cell and the DNA being transcribed into RNA. The RNA makes proteins, the proteins fold. And let me tell you how that happens, right? But why was the, the, the cell made or why does it happen that way? That's not really a scientific question. And a scientific question is always falsifiable. So this word falsifiable is the difference between science and religion. So if something can be proven to be untrue, that could be a scientific question. And with science, we try to ask a series of falsifiable questions, things that you can disprove. And you try your best to disprove it. And when you can't disprove it, your best guess is that it's probably true. That's how the scientific method works, right? You, you ask a question, you say, I wonder if there is such a thing called gravity. And you pick up the stapler that's on your desk and you drop it and it falls. And you say, okay, well, that question about gravity is falsifiable because if I drop it and it floats up to the air, then I've disproven gravity. You do that enough times, you do that a thousand times, and every time the thing drops to the ground, you haven't proven gravity, but you've kind of demonstrated that you're kind of a fool to try to disprove gravity. So that's what we mean by the scientific method and null hypothesis. So if we've taken you know, any kind of high school level um, science, we've heard of the null hypothesis. And the null hypothesis in this case would be gravity doesn't exist. And if gravity doesn't exist, I take the stapler and I try to drop it, it'll float up into the air. Now, you do that enough times, you reject the null hypothesis, 
which is the falsifiable scientific question. Now, again, I'm trying to make the argument that science is apophatic. And what I'm saying is that science is always coming up with the next question. Now that I've confidently said that gravity is true, then how is it that the moon doesn't come crashing down to the earth, right? And that was the famous question that Isaac Newton asked several hundred years ago, right? They said gravity is true, but then he asked this completely out of the box question, which nobody had ever asked before, which is, is the gravity that we see on earth here? He didn't have staplers, he had apples, but the same gravity that applies to our stapler on our desk and the apple that he saw fall from the tree does that same gravity apply to what they called heavenly bodies? And he was the one that kind of put it all together and said, okay, here's a consistent theory about gravity, right? So that constant questioning, that constant wonder, that constant, wow, science is really amazing, is in a sense apophatic. Because there's not a single scientist out there that understands all of science. There's not a single physician out there that understands all of medicine. So we each have to treat our craft apophatically and recognize that even though we, we, we are experts in our field, we can't think that we know everything that there is to know. So we, in order for someone to be a good scientist, they have to be apophatic. They have to respect the science more than they respect their own opinion in the science. And then as you go deeper into these questions of you're going through this scientific process, you come deeper and deeper into the subject and you learn more about the mystery of our, of our creator through it. Right. And th th that's the other point that people miss is that God created science, right? <laughs> I mean, um, that, that's such a huge point that, you know, all throughout school, we kind of feel like it's, it's, science versus god and there's always this division between the two but from what you're saying is that through studying gravity or studying through all these things in science that i can come closer to my heavenly father and come closer to understanding who god is through all of this right or in the very least that they're not competing with each other right i i happen to be super interested in these sort of things so for me personally i would agree with that if someone says i don't really think science is going to bring me closer to God, I think science is just going to bore me, then I would say, dude, totally, I understand. I mean, <laughs> if you find it boring, don't feel like you have to learn science to understand God. But yeah. in the very least, let's diffuse that, that bomb of why am I not allowed to be a Christian and study science? Or why am I not allowed to understand things scientifically? and still believe that God is the one that put all these things in their place. Because the, tr the two are, are really part of the same desire to understand things that will always be greater, to the, greater than we are. Yeah, and, and the, but the baseline, once again, is, is knowing that golden rule that I am limited and I'm finite. But yes. the one that I'm seeking and the one that I'm growing closer to is infinite and ineffable and immeasurable. Right. I, I feel like that's... It's, it's vital for us to always remember that as we kind of journey or come closer to God uh, through science or through whatever means. Right. And those of us that are inclined to study both, right, that those of us that are inclined to try to understand God and also have an interest in science, the more we understand each of them, 
the more things make sense on both sides. And one of the great interests I have is looking at science proving what Christianity has always said, right? So, you know, a lot of uh, anti-religion scientists will will jump on the Bible and say, oh, this doesn't make sense. And they, they'll use science to try to disprove the Bible. But I, I think they, they kind of miss that the Bible isn't really a science book, <laughs> Yeah. Right. We, we're, we're we're trying to understand our relationship with God. So one of the things that the Bible and Christian theology is, is really excellent at is helping us to understand our nature. Right. Because if we're created in the image and likeness of God, then the more we understand ourselves, the more we should be able to learn something about God in whose image and likeness we're created. Right. Yeah. So. Social science is one of those things that is constantly coming up with, quote unquote, new theories and new ideas that are just an affirmation of what we've always known to be true in the person of Christ, right? The, the one who's the, the true human, the one who um, is the fulfillment of that creation of man in the image and likeness of God. When we study social science, we find Christ and we find Christianity in the social science. Um, and we actually even find it here in the study of how we learn. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point, Mina, is that through social science, we actually see Jesus in the middle of science. Like we see the Son of God through all of that. And that if our eyes are open to seeing who our Creator is, that we see him in everything. We see him through social science, we see him through physics, we see him through nature, we see him in through so many different aspects, if we're willing to see him there. And he's always there. And it's not like this notion that we kind of see in the media and on everywhere is that it's God versus science. But the reality is the two go hand in hand. Um, and hopefully in future episodes, Mina, we would love to discuss more about different subjects of how we can see God through uh, different subjects and through uh, different topics um, that will ultimately bring us closer to him in our lives and at the liturgy. That would be great. I'd love to be there. Thanks a lot. Thanks again, Mina. You have been listening to Meet and Write. For more episodes and resources, make sure to check out CopticHymnsInEnglish.com.